What's up, my brothers and sisters? Welcome to the Fireground Fitness Podcast, where we talk about all things pertaining to life on and off the fireground. The views and the opinions expressed are those of your host and our guest. So let's do this. All right, welcome to uh, Fog Nozzle Friday. I'm here with my brother, Aaron Quinn. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing well today. Very happy to be here. Another Fog Fog Nozzle Friday, so it's good to be here. Right on, man. Well, it's always a pleasure to chat with you. And, um, um, we got a couple of really great questions that came in that prompted some uh, some good thought, and uh, so I want to hear what you have to say about some of this stuff. And uh, so let's dig in. Uh, the first question yes. we have is uh, from a brother by the name of James Eldridge, and he asked very simply, "Smooth bore or combination nozzle?" And and funny, I I was like, "Ooh, I don't know exactly what he's looking for here, <laughs> but this is one of the most." hotly debated uh topics around the fire service kind of at large right people get very emotional about their nozzles they really do and they'll and they'll get to the point where like they tell you you are wrong i am right i'm not listening to anything you have to say right so it's quite interesting <laughs> to me yeah so well first of all what do you guys have on your trucks uh well our trucks have no nozzles except for the ladder pipe nozzles oh but, well um, freaking ladder guys <laughs> Sorry, uh, let me. <laughs> you know, I have to quantify. So, 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 so let me quantify everything. Everything I'm about, I'm about to say. In my 20 year career, I've spent 19 of those years assigned to a truck company. So my engine experience is very limited. Right. Uh, well, and I, I walked right into that when I sir. when I walked right into that yeah. by going, "Say, what do you have on your trucks? Like, <laughs> stupid. Yeah. Okay, yeah, engines. Yeah, what do your pumpers have? Yeah. So we have both. We have we have smooth bores, and we also have the combination uh, fixed fixed gallonage, fixed psi mm. fog nozzles. So we run both. Our crosslays have the the fogs on them, and our I guess you could call them dead loads. Yep, they have the smooth they have smooth bores on them. Copy our big line, our what we call our big line, which is a two which is a two and a half. Yep. You could uh, that that the one is preconnected has a large like fog a pl- like on a plate. Oh, like a fog. Okay, copy. Bit, yeah, and the and the one that's a dead load has a smooth bore on it. So like a, have, like a plate pipe for for yeah, like maybe. outside fires, you know, the defensive yep. positioning that yep. type of stuff. Yep. Uh, no. Well, yes, we we also use uh, we, we we do bring a two and a half inside sometimes, depending on. What structures we have, what kind of fire load we have. Uh, it's not a it's not a normal operation necessarily bring a two and a half inside, but we do have we do do that. Yeah. Um, it's not abnormal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, our so in general, our philosophy here in Oakland is we want to give people tools and let them decide what works best for them. We're not really regimented on this is what we have to pull all the time, no matter what. Mm. With that being said, most people. In our in this department on on engines, they uh, run with the the fog. Uh, it's kind of where we came from, where we were learned, you know, right to fight, left to life type of uh, type of thing. Hmm. So I've asked this question because I get this I get asked this question often. I asked this question to uh, my medic who is been on, on the on engines his entire career over over seventeen years, and most time has been nozzles. He has a fair amount of experience on nozzle. And his basic opinion is, and this is total firefighter opinion, which uh-huh. I love. 
he's like, you know, F all that shit about, you know, thermal layering, this and that, and all the, the numbers and all this bullshit. He's like, if you got enough water, the fire is going to go out. doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's a fog or a smooth bore. It's going to work. Are there less moving parts to a smooth bore? Yes. Could it get, is it less likely to get clogged? Yes. It's like, but here in Oakland, we have a really good water supply. And we don't get a lot of rocks and, and shit in our water supplies. So that's not an issue for us. Right. So that so, that brings again, up a really good point, though. Like yeah. re- regionally, there are some differences in the way you might apply it and the way you would use a different tool for different reasons. So that's a good point. 100%. Yeah. Again, I, I really don't have a lot of experience. Um, you know, I, I, listen to, I listen to the debate and I see valid points on either side. Yeah. And, and, I, and I think what it comes down to uh, is what works best for your crew in your city and the kind of structures you have. Right. And, and I think I, I, I never think for me, the fire service should be, we're using this all the time, no matter what it should always be. Here are some options. Let's educate you on what the advantages are and let's let you make that decision for the call that you're, that you're on. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I think it's so important to recognize that like those tools do have slight different applications. And, but when you look at the, the basis of it, right? So one might say like, Oh, like a smooth bore at 50 PSI at the nozzle, but you know, is really 75 PSI at the nozzle or a hundred PSI. Is it really that much of a difference? And does it really, you know, if you know, if you're a BTF, you know, big tough fireman, is that going to be a challenge for you? Is that really a problem? Um, I, you know, there is a, in, when you read some of the, the NIOSH and, you know, all these different studies and the thing that they always kind of run, arrive back at is, is the quickest water is the, is the best water, right? Get water on the fire, change the conditions, stop the thermal development of the event and, and stop the forward progress of the fire. Right. So, you know, you hear people say with a smooth bore, you get, you have more reach and penetration and, and yada, yada, yada. But on an interior firefight, that's merely interesting. So, so then the other question is, well, if you're going to have a, uh, an adjustable nozzle or combination nozzle, you're going to entrain more air and, and which the studies have borne out that there's, there's very little difference if at all between those two nozzles. So the thing that actually, and this I think is fascinating. The thing that actually entrains more air is the way you move the nozzle and the way you handle the nozzle. So that goes back to firefighter skill and knowing how and when and where to use your tools. Absolutely. So I think and, it's, and two, how much air are you putting in versus how much cooling effect are, are, are you having on this fire? Is that, is that a huge, are you really pushing or fueling this fire with the air you're bringing in the nozzle? I'd be curious to see uh, studies on that. Yeah. Uh, like, well, like how, how are much... you, how, how are you affecting the flow path? Are you trying to hydraulically right. ventilate the fire or are you trying to just get the gases to cool in the compartment? You know, so, right. and both, both a, solid bore and a, or a smooth bore, however you want to say it, or a combination auto will accomplish that if you apply the water correctly. And again, there's so many factors here. Like talking about disruption of the thermal layer here in Oakland, most of our fires are in houses where we can cut holes in the roof. Hmm. And so, um, obviously if you have multiple stories and the fire is not on the top story, we're not doing that. But if you're rushing in and, and the holes being cut at pretty much the same time you're getting in there with water, that's going to be a lot less of a factor than if you're in a multiple high rise, this concrete 
and the floors are concrete, walls are concrete. You have to be worried a little bit more about that, right? Yeah. Because there's nowhere for the heat to go. Right. So I think there's so many different factors that play into this question. Mm-hmm. So I think at the end of the day, the tool that you train on, if you have a good skill set and you develop your your KSAs, your knowledge, skills, and abilities, and you use that tool right, then you're going to be successful. Absolutely. You know, we have a raging debate, you know, in Oakland about what's better, the chainsaw or cirque saw on a roof. Mm. And it falls in the same thing. There's different applications for each tool and it's what you're comfortable with, what you're used to using. And also knowing that in certain applications, this is not the best tool. Right. Yeah. You can cut through a truss with both of them. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) 100%. Okay. All right. Any final thoughts on that? I think we beat it up. No. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the next question, McKenna, uh, and I'm going to butcher this last name, um, so I'm not even going to attempt it. Miss McKenna, it me, your girl, is uh, her handle. Um, she had a very long question, and um, but I, it summed up. It was, what are what are good ways to develop mental toughness and discipline? I wrote her back and just like you know, awesome question, man. I love this question. Awesome question. What is it? What does it love spur it in your mind? I kind of want to hear your thoughts. I mean, I'll jump in first, but a former Marine, man, I mean, that's what you want to hear, right? <laughs> well, here's, so first, um, my, my knee-jerk reaction is do hard things. If you want to be, exactly, if yes. you want to be tougher, be tougher. You have to lean in to the difficult situations and just work through it. There is nothing more rewarding than strapping on a ruck and going for a hike and knowing it's going to suck and embracing the suck and just getting after it. So that's my knee jerk. Um, but I think that there's, right. there's, you know, you can soften that and there's probably a way to get there through practice and maybe exposure therapy, et cetera. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things you just said, you can break apart what you just said in so many different levels. I think the first thing that I always try to talk to people about is I have to get rid of the word toughness and put resiliency in mm-hmm. and mental resiliency. I think that the idea of toughness connotates especially in our culture this idea of gritting and 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 biting your teeth and forcing your your way through something and i think that's a it's a way but i don't think it necessarily builds mental quote-unquote toughness or resiliency mm-hmm. um so the first piece i want to talk about real quick is kind of the, like the kind of understanding that there's a physiological and a psychological part of mental toughness or mental resiliency, right? These things don't happen by themselves. They happen together. You can't, you can't divorce what happens in the body and the mind. They work together. And what I mean by that is we know that the mind has regulators that will prevent us from doing certain things that are too hard or too heavy because it wants to prevent injury. And part of this resiliency training is removing those barriers, moving those blocks and, and realizing what your body actually can do. In that same regards, the body will manifest pain, discomfort, and it does have limits to what it can do uh, and, and not get broken, correct? Yep. So these play together. And a story that I, I could tell is just recently, we, you know, we had this fire. It came in the middle of the day. It's, it's uh, not hot for you out there, but hot for us. It's 88 degrees. Oh. That's like s- smoking hot for us. <laughs> 
and and we're in full turnouts on the roof and and we had to strip the roof after the fire yeah and hey we all have our burdens was, to bear man it's all good yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> and, and and there were like three three newer guys like oh man i need to take a break i'm, I'm, I'm gas i need to get some water it's like sure no problem i'm still up there working now you can look at that and you can say wow this guy has more mental toughness than 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 these three guys but i'd actually say that in in that moment they've pushed way further into their physiological limit than I did, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, that's a question about conditioning. Now, you talk about the mental toughness that it takes to condition and to train to a certain level, but I was nowhere near my physiological limit. And so it was not nearly as mentally challenging for me to keep working in that moment as it was for them. So I think mental toughness is kind of this, it has this kind of moving target point that I think can be challenging. So as an endurance athlete, you, you, you build on it, right? You don't start off on day one. Like let's say you're, you're a, exactly. a, a marathoner. You don't run out, you go out on day one of running and go run a marathon. You couldn't exactly. do it, right? You don't have the mental fortitude to get there. So you build on that. It kind of what you're talking about is exactly. that work hardening and the development of that skill set and the ability to absorb the impact, um, physiologically. Exactly. And then that builds the mental toughness. I, I think back to my, uh, so I used to race Ironman back in the day. My very first Ironman, I was on the very back half of the marathon and I was falling apart physio- physically. But I had already been down this road. I had done really hard things building up to this day. And so because of that, I was able to persevere and keep moving, right? Because I you know, exactly. I had set myself up for that, had visualized it, et cetera. But that was a process over the course of several years to build that uh, that depth of resiliency and that, that, that attitude of that, the disposition to, to not quit. Yeah. Cause you, you're, you're the, the body and mind are playing together. Yeah. In this, right. And the mind's like, you gotta stop in the, and like, you're like, well, my body's telling me this, but I know I can go a little bit further. You, you remove some of those regulation valves, right? right? You, you say, you know what? I can go further. You know, I well, think another thing you said is to embrace the suck. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is a, what I, what I would call either, surrendering or accepting mm. i think that's a huge piece of mental resiliency is is that you stop fighting the event that's in front of you and that you you, you accept or you surrender to what's ha- to this event and then that allows that mental energy to not go into fighting what's happening and, and to figuring out a way to persevere through this event right does that make sense yep totally so an example of this is when I'm teaching some of, some of the Wim Hof seminars and people are getting into ice baths, sometimes you have these guys who are the MMA athletes and they're all ripped and, and, and tied out and ready to go. And they get into ice and you can see in their face, they're fighting this thing. Mm-hmm. They're fighting it. They're fighting it. They're fighting it. And they're miserable. They make two minutes, but they're miserable and they get out and they don't want to get back in again. And here comes the, you know, usually it's a woman who comes in and she sits in and you see her just release into this thing. And, and, and just kind of accept I'm in the ice. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm doing. And there's a calm over her and over the over that person, perhaps. And they can get back in again. And, and, and it's a totally different experience. Feels mm. two people. So there's a uh, and who there's a mental component of that that is really important. And there's a quote that pops yes. in my head here. It says, "If you quit, it's because quitting was always an option for you." Yes. And, and I think about that like people who are like, you know, well, I'll try it. No, you have to commit. Like, are you are you in? Just, uh, and, doing and, it. You know, yeah. And you have to have this I will not quit attitude. 
you know, there's a, yeah. uh, so to McKenna, she wrote in her question that there was, you know, she's like in, in her training and whatever, you know, she find doing the the sucky workouts or whatever are hard for her. And that's where I think about the idea that it's got to be progressive, right? You're building up to the, yeah. the really difficult days, but still, even in the, the, in the shorter days, you say, Hey, I'm going to do a, you know, I'm going to do a one mile run. I hate running, but I'm going to do this one mile run and I will not quit. And, and that's it. You have to make a determination that you're not going to quit in the very beginning and hold that line. Um, and for me, I come a softer style. I come to the fact of, of I just surrender or accept the fact that this is what I'm doing. Right. I'm running a mile today. Yeah. Like, like, like I, there isn't even a question of quitting or making or not making it. Like, this is just what's happening. This is just what I'm doing. Yes. Like, like, like this is the reality that I'm in. Yeah. Well, here's, I'm going to throw something you know, else, another angle at yeah, you yeah, too. Yeah, please. So yeah. there's, there's this, you know, the differential between motivation and purpose. Um, motivation to me, it's like, um, somebody lights a fire. I get on the call with you and we're talking and I'm like, yeah, I'm fired up. I'm going to go do something. Um, or I watch a, you know, a Rocky Balboa quote and I'm like, yeah, it ain't all sunshine and rainbows. Like, yeah, I'm. I'm fired up. Well, the yeah. if, if that's all I have, the minute it gets hard, I, I crumple, right? Because, oh, man, well, yeah, it ain't all sunshine and rainbows. Well, this sucks. I'm miserable. But if I focus on my purpose, right, why are we you – know, what is your why? What What is your purpose behind what you're doing? Um, that is more uh, more broadly impactful. So if you, if you um, ID – who you are and, and what you're uh, trying to accomplish, your purpose is what will drive and 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 facilitate motivation for you. You know, if you have a a bigger picture, a broader image for what you're doing, when your eyes pop up and open in the morning, you're gonna your feet are gonna hit the floor and you're going because you have a broader understanding of your entire reason for being. Whether it be being a firefighter or being a father, a husband, a wife, a spouse, you know, a uh, a fighter, whatever it is, you know, what's your purpose behind it? And once you identify that, if you connect that, that drives motivation in your body. Absolutely, I actually I wrote down, I wrote down some notes about this, and purpose is right here underlined hmm. uh, for mine too. Is it's, it's purpose, and for me, it's uh, what I try to get people to do is find a purpose that's internal, not external. Find a purpose that, yes. that for you individually is something you want to become or you want to find or something you want to do internally to make yourself a better person, the best version of you. Because once that purpose becomes internal, then almost nothing external can take that away. Uh, so I think that's a huge piece I actually had it written down yep. here is, pur- is purpose. I love it. And another motivator that I'm not a – I'm not a huge utilizer of, but it is there. I use it sometimes. Is fear, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's the it's the nightmare of of what might happen if you don't do this, mm. right? <laughs> and that can be as simple as, man, I don't I don't want to go down and pull these ropes out and go over these ropes again, right? What's my purpose of doing that? Do I know them? Yes. Well, you know what? I'm maybe I'm scared as shit. Is we get a call and I want to fuck it up, right? I don't want to look bad or I don't want to not be able to do that. That can be a motivator sometimes. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so don't necessarily shy away from some of those negative feelings. I think it's always better to try to use positive reinforcement if we can, but also there are times when that purpose can be, can be driven 
by something that you don't want to become or an accident that you don't want to have happen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And th- another thing I've written down here, I think com- it comes into the mental resiliency is a warrior's mindset versus an athlete's mindset. And so often when we look at our training paradigms, mm. especially for the fire service, we take from athletics and, and, and there's, there's good in that. But one of the things I think is when you look at athletes, they always try to do more with more. They're always trying to look for that peak performance state and the, and the, and the warrior's mindset is a little more rooted into give more with less. Mm-hmm. Right. So when we're trying to build mental resiliency, try to think about how much more can I give and with, with, with less and less assets. Right. And what I mean by that is, you know, some of the things, I guess is kind of a pause here. It's kind of, puts me in the less of the philosophical realm and more of like the, what can you do realm? So maybe I'll see if you got any thoughts on, on any of that. I just said, go from there. Well, when you talk about the philosophical component of it, I think mindset is really, really important. Um, and huge. So in this question, uh, McKenna is saying, you know, she clearly is identifying. I am struggling with, you know, maintaining my commitment. And so, to herself, commitment to whatever, right? I think it's, and I think it's driven by a personal thing. If I'm reading into her question the right way. And you know, that is a, it's an important piece to identify your value set. And I love the idea that, you know, as a, as a warrior, right? This is especially in the fire service. This is not about a game day, a season. It is about sustaining forward progress throughout the course of your career and your life. And this idea of of being motivated and committed and, and not quitting um, applies in everything. Life is, you know, the, you know, the Navy SEALs always say, right, the only easy day was yesterday. Life is right. full of hard challenges. And there was a quote I posted a while back, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trip over it, but it, basically it said something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing here, was the hardest day that you've experienced thus far is not the hardest day you will face in the future. So... We are set up for a series of hard events in our lives. So I think developing the skill set to be resilient and to lean into those difficult things. When you talk about the warrior mindset, right? You're recognizing that, you know, there's the, the enemy is always preparing. Whatever that enemy is, it's it's a setup, right? And so what are you gonna do? He he doesn't Absolutely. care. He doesn't care what his ruck weighs. He's just going. He doesn't secure it fifteen hundred, seventeen hundred. He's not going to bed. He's training. He's moving. There's always this this imperative that you need to be getting after it. And so that's why I think it's so important to identify your purpose and align your behaviors with your purpose. And then your motivation will follow. I think that's huge. Absolutely. I mean, and, and, and the mindset. The mindset is is, is is everything. You know, one of the pieces that I talk about too is if you can get to the point where in your mindset, when something becomes challenging, when that little voice in your head says, you know what, we should stop. When you, when you get to that point and you, and you can change the mindset from being like, oh man, we should stop. It's like, ooh, there's a little voice again. Now I'm excited <laughs> because the next four steps I take, I'm going past that voice. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when I go beyond that voice, I learn something more about myself. I find something else about myself. I prove to myself that I'm more than that thought. And so you start to get excited or hungry to find that, right? And so then that 
that going to that limit, going to that edge, staring at that edge becomes the very thing that you're excited about that you seek. Yeah. And so, and so that starts to build, that starts to, starts to snowball on itself. And that's just the, you know, playing with word with dialogue and playing with mindset and trying to help yourself uh, change the way your mind operates and see and sees these difficulties are hugely important. Nice. Well, let's, uh, Pat, we, yeah, I think you and I could probably spend the entire day going back and forth on this question because it's such a, there's so much there. So I hope McKenna, I hope this answers your question a little bit. Um, so I've got a few, a, a few quick bullet points. Yeah. You want to try to get, you know, the help, the help mindset fasting yeah. an incredible way mm. to try to build mental resiliency, mm-hmm. cold and heat, incredible way of mental resiliency meditation. And when I say meditation, I, I mean more like focusing the mind and imagining yourself in these situations that are stressful or hard or challenging or imagining yourself saying, like, I'm going to quit. And, it's, and then in your mind, pushing yourself past that point. And you mentioned it many times. You know I love this too. Rucking with a rucksack. Those are just some 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 actual tangible things yeah. that I utilize. I think other people can utilize to help push themselves that, through, through that mental barrier. Yeah, I like that. I think I wrote down uh, – I wrote down – uh, build an austere lifestyle. And I think that, yes. you know, set yourself up to do, to do hard things on a regular, right? And then, uh, and, mindset, yeah, man. write them down stuff. and plan for it. Um, so speaking of hard things, I'm going to shift gears on you here. I, so I had, yeah. a, I was having a conversation with, uh, one of my brothers and, uh, he shall remain anonymous. <laughs> he said, when is the right time to retire? And that, you know, I'm like, man, I'm too young to be having this conversation. Um, however, uh, that was part of the conversation, right? Because in the fire service, we retirement is this, this this goal that we set out there as a an objective for folks, and then you know we get there and there's a certain amount of social pressure to be planning for retirement, and that was part of the conversation that we had was well, when when is enough enough? And so that's a yeah. So my dad, my dad's a retired firefighter. He worked in Oakland. So I, I've watched him move through this process, mm. and I've watched a, num- a number of my mentors that I got hired with move through the process as well. Um, I think it's different for every person. There's some, there, you know, there's some, there's some financial concerns obviously there to make sure that you have enough money so you, so, so that you're not going to sweat and and be struggling. Yeah. But I think in in general, there it's more of an emotional component mm. than it is than it is a financial component for you know when you, when you get to that point in your career. And, and 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 the one thing that my dad always told me is, man, I miss this job every day mm. still. And he's been retired for probably. 12 years now he's in his he's in his 70s and he's like man i miss this job every day but he's you know what i'm so happy that i missed the job because that means <laughs> it was a great job yeah. and it was everything i wanted to be and you know i love it i still loved it right and so i think it it's a death you know and and, yeah. and we don't do well in society preparing for death in general and it's a huge piece of who we are as individuals it defines us what people knows us know us as and it's a huge challenge. Yeah. You know, I think you started off with a couple things that are really important. One is it's, it's different for every individual. 
So we have a, you know, a clock and everyone's kind of counting their time and it's different in every system, right? Everyone's got a little bit different kind of parameters for their retirement, but everybody's watching that clock and we all come to this game at different times and different ages. So that clock is a little bit different for each of us and, and everybody's life circumstances are different. So I think that's a, it's important to, to recognize, first of all, that the social pressure we put on each other, we really got to allow people space to have their own kind of consideration for it. The, the other pieces, you know, you talked about the financial piece, which obviously that's a huge motive, a, a huge component of whether or not you're fiscally ready to retire, right? Can you do it? Can you maintain the appropriate lifestyle that you've set up for yourself and go into your old, into your old age? And that, that is a number that each individual has to arrive at on their own. But I think the, the last part of it goes back to our previous question, which was talking about purpose. So mm-hmm. if you feel like you have, you know, you have lost your sense of purpose, then maybe it's time to move on. And, um, but if you're still enjoying the job and you're still, you know, gain, you still have value, or you still, uh, feel like you're contributing and you're, you're living your life's purpose then you stay. Right. And I think there's, there's some other things that are maybe a little bit more pragmatic. Like if you're 65 and you're still riding backwards on a fire truck, are you physically still healthy? Now, if you're a chief and you're sitting behind a desk, (laughs) do you have a little bit more career longevity there? Yeah, maybe you do. And so some of those factors have to come into play as well. And, um, it's a tough, it's a tough decision. I think for folks, man. Yeah. I throw, I throw another one out there is maybe, you haven't lost your sense of purpose. Maybe you feel like your purpose is fulfilled. Yes. And, and you've and you've trained the younger generation. You see them growing up, and you see them um, holding the reins. Yep. And so you're like, you know what? I've done my job as a leader. I've empowered the younger generation to take over and do better than me. That's in my eyes, you know, the best part of leadership is making yourself obsolete because you've trained people better than mm-hmm. better than you, you, you made them better than you. And, and it's hard, but at a certain point, it's time, it's time for you to leave so that that younger generation can take, take over. Yeah. And that's the hardest part is to see that and know, okay, you know what? It's time for me to go now. Right. Um, there's, it's, it's super challenging. I think it's things that we need to think about and talk about more in the firehouse, most of the talk in the firehouse around retirement is about here in Oakland, at least about finances, mm-hmm. um, how the money's going to play out, what their plans are, which are exciting. You know, hey, what are you doing to retire? You know, what, you know, what are your plans? Da, 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 da. Uh, but there isn't a lot of talk about the emotional component of it. And I think that's a huge piece for a lot yeah. of people. And, yeah. Um, you hear a lot of folks talk about, you know, they, they look back and say, yeah, I retired too soon. Right, because they just weren't quite ready to be done in the firehouse, yeah. Or, or their you know their purpose wasn't fulfilled yet, and um, right. And that's an important thing to consider. And yeah. I think another thing is that that's hard that my dad talks about a lot is your, especially you know, for my dad who was at the same crew as a lieutenant downtown mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. fifteen years, and the crew was together for a long time, and you feel like you're this really integral part, this really huge piece of this puzzle. And in some ways you really are, but in other, but he says in other ways, you're not, I, I retired my next day, two days later, there was an overtime in my spot. 
and yeah, the wheels kept some, turning. Some dude sleeping and, in your bed <laughs> at the station. It's and, yeah, you know, his and the wheel keeps your turning. Locker. Yeah, and yeah. Three, three months after that, somebody bid the spot, and it's a permanent spot, and the wheel keeps yeah. turning. Yeah, and so that's you know all we can hope to do. I think in our time in the fire service is is really to try to do the best we can to get the younger generation ready to meet whatever challenge that they're going to meet. Yeah. And, and hopefully along that way, we get some time with the citizens to, to, to make some impact and, and, and to make some people smile and make their lives a little better. And to me, if I, if, if you can achieve that uh, and you have your finances right and your, and, and your body's strong uh, and, and you're feeling healthy, why not go out like Barry Sanders? You know, go go yeah. out go out go out go out on the top you know go out it like 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 a champ yeah like i mean I, yeah. I feel good i got i got my time the guys still love me i've trained them well i'm going out yeah it, as opposed to going out just broken or busted or or heaven forbid you may not even know you have you already had your last day you, you go get hurt and and mm. and you never make it back right and that happens yeah yeah, some of those things are outside of our control, right? But the uh yeah, sure yeah, but, they are. But I think it's, you know, I think I think it's important that we we think about it and we pay attention to it and we start working the working the problem in our head before we get there so that when it's it doesn't sneak Absolutely. up on us and then the day shows up and you're like, "Oh, oh, I haven't thought about this. I'm not ready." I I haven't I haven't processed, right? You have to give it some thought and really work work the problem and and really think about what you're going to do on your time off because once you're done, you know, that's, that's it. That's so you it. either have a plan to go do other things and travel and, and hike and bike and play or whatever that looks like for you. Um, or even, you know, find another place to, uh, invest in the world and the community and in work and serving that type of stuff. You know, there's a, there's all kinds of other options out there that you can lean into and, and do. Um, but absolutely. Yeah. I it's a good question. Yeah, so when are you going to retire? Well, I got nine years until I, so here we are, we're, I, I don't know. I, I feel bad even saying this. Cause I know some people listen to this. Do not have the retirement that we have in the West coast. Yeah. But we, but I'm a 3% of 50. So for every year of service, I get 3% and I, I, I can go at 50. I got hired very young. Okay. So if at 50, I have 28 years. So that'll give me just shy of 90% of my salary. Nice. Um, so if my money's right, which it should be, and me and my wife are still still uh, like little school kids hanging out together, <laughs> enjoy, enjoying each other's company. Yeah. Uh, I should, you know, I should be able to go at 50. So that's, that's about eight years, you know, eight, eight years for me. Yeah. And like I said, for me, I, I, I've watched my dad go through this and I've watched him go through the emotions of being frustrated and feeling like the department's passed him by and feeling like, like, man, I, I, I got, you know, I'm, I'm done. And then his last you know month being like, man, I missed this job and I want to go. I feel like a new kid again. So I've, I've watched these, these emotions hmm. through, through not just my dad, but other people, like I said, I look up to that have retired. You know, for me, what I imagine is, is I'm still able to kick ass and my body's healthy and I get some, ripping fire and and 
do a, do an awesome job, best I've ever done at a fire. You know, never make a mistake, which never is going to happen. But <laughs> this is my mind, right? This, this is fantasy world, right? <laughs> you know, you, you cut the hole, the fire is blowing out, and you know, you just you're, you're you know you're a hero. It's like backdraft. You're just awesome, and then you come back to the firehouse, and and, and that's it. That, that's your last day. You got a bunch of guys who stop by and say it was great working with you, right? And you pack up your stuff and you drive your car off, and you say, "Wow, that was a." That was an amazing experience. That, Ooh, what an uh, adventure! A ride of a, a ride of a lifetime, literally, like a ride of a lifetime that I'd never be able to do, and money can't buy it. Yeah. And man, I, I'm honored to have, to have walked this path the time I did. That that that's how I imagine it. How about you? That's awesome. Uh, you know, it's funny, man. I you know talk, to, talk about the guy who uh, has arrived at a, a spot and hasn't really given a lot of thought to to retirement. I have always just had it like it's in the distance, it's in the distance, and I'm not worried about it. You know, I've got 23 years in the game now and starting to think about what that looks like. Haven't really wrapped my head around it. I just turned 50 this year, and um, I see another, you know, 10 years in my future easily. So, yeah, at this point, I'm starting to entertain the, you know, what that looks like, but I don't have any, any hard timelines or anything on it yet. So I need to ponder on it for sure. Yeah, man. But I, I do, I, I will say this, every every assignment I have had at this point, you know, and in our organization as a chief officer, I get moved around a little bit and and I I value the opportunity to serve. And so if that is what I get to do with my life, I'm satisfied. That is That is very rewarding to me. That's why I became a firefighter in the first place. So for now... I don't see a need to, I don't see why I would retire. I, I love what I do. I love the opportunity I have to serve the community and to serve the, the men and women of the fire department and, and, and help them fulfill their role in the streets. So to me, that is tremendously valuable. And I don't know, I, what, what, what else would I do? Go on vacation? I, I, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> As it is, I get every weekend off. I'm going to go, I go hike and play on the weekends. What more am I going to do? So I'm deeply satisfied. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, brother. Yeah. So, yeah. well, hey, man, that's all the questions we had for t- for this go round. Any? Uh, this is great. Any final thoughts? I no, I just I, I really appreciate the questions and the opportunity to do this with you. Um, like I said, I'm just honored and happy to be able to do this with you guys and keep the questions coming. It's been great. Right on. Likewise, man. I appreciate it. All right, that's all right we have on, for today. Man. Signing off. Yep. That's all we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. If you're enjoying this podcast, get over to whatever platform you like to listen on, subscribe. This podcast will drop in the middle of the night when you least expect it. Additionally, get on over to Apple Podcasts, rate and review the podcast. Feel free to shoot me an email. Uh, Any feedback that you provide is valuable for me in helping us build this product to be more uh, in tune with what you want to hear. Lastly, take the lessons that you're learning here from the people that are sharing their knowledge imbue it into your life. Remember, there are no shortcuts. So let's go on out there and get some.